This podcast is sponsored by Now Alchemy, an amazing company that is changing the way we look at health and wellness. Now Alchemy is using uh, monatomic gold and Ormus, which is sourced from two ocean sources, the Dead Sea and the Himalayan Sea. Ormus is a powerful combination, a liquid known as the golden food for the gods. And in ancient Egyptian times, it was known as the light elixir. This energy not only shifts and brings back the dimensions of your body, but allows your entire light body to expand. Any particle breakdown inside of your system becomes repaired. It opens up your third eye, increases manifestation potential, balances the left and right hemisphere of your brain, and increases brain capacity. And that's not the best part of it. The very best part of it is actually enhancing your shamanic abilities, such as increased dream lucidity, being able to feel the energies that are around you, and being able to balance both your chakras and your internal and external Internal world increases your human biomagnetic sheath, known as your aura, and relieves stress and anxiety. Now, this is something you have to try. So go ahead and check out Now Alchemy, a sponsor of the Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. Thank you and enjoy the show. Human beings have been sharing stories for hundreds of thousands of years, and with those stories came the emotional spiritual and physical knowledge of the ancients. Shaman Durek is a third generation shaman, an evolutionary innovator and a women's empowerment leader. He's here to bring forth the ancient wisdom of our elders to help heal and bring happiness into our modern society. We're sharing ancient knowledge in modern times in order to put the power back in people's hands. Welcome to the tribe. My name is Sahara Rose, and I am so excited to be on today's episode and even more excited to announce that Shaman Derek and I are co-hosting an incredible masterclass called Awaken Your Powers. This is for you if you are ready to rise up as a leader in the new paradigm. We're going to be sharing with you everything you need to know about making your voice heard, how to sift through a saturated market and be so uniquely you that you inspire other people to be uniquely them. This is a full power pitta, which we're going to talk about on this podcast, fire-filled masterclass. And we are presenting it for only $35 for the entire masterclass worth over $250. We want it available for the tribe, only $35 before August 1st. It includes the full masterclass, a live Q&A call with Shaman Derek and I, where we're going to be answering any of your questions. Nothing's off the table, guys. We want to hear it all. We also have a private Facebook community for the tribe members only to gather, meet up in different cities, communicate, and we're creating Instagram pods where we're going to be commenting, engaging with one another, building our following, and creating our own loyal tribes. So if you want to join us, head over to my website, IamSaharaRose.com. You'll see a beautiful, fiery picture of Shaman Derek and I. It says, Awaken Your Powers, where you can head to either of our Instagrams, it's right on the link in bios, and sign up before August 1st to get the early bird discount. And we are so excited to have you because the world needs you. You are a leader waiting to evolve and transform into your highest 
itself. So we are so excited to have you to facilitate this journey for you to just embody the true you that you were meant to become. And I can't wait to watch you awaken your powers. Now let's let Shaman Derek interview me. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. And I just want you to know that you are a magical, powerful, divine, enlightened, creative, playful, sensual, beautiful, beautiful creation, a spark of creation that has come here on earth to light us up, to light the darkness up and bring our brothers and sisters home. And you do that every single day by bringing the joy and the bounty of your spirit to life. And that's such a beautiful and wonderful thing because life really needs you and I need you and the world needs you. And that's the reason why you exist because you're needed and you're valuable. So don't ever let anyone say anything to you that is not truth. And that is the truth. So welcome to today's show. I want you to know that it's been so wonderful doing these podcasts with everyone to share with the tribe all this beautiful ancient wisdoms and gifts from so many beautiful people, including myself, to just, you know, just nourish you and flourish you with so much nurturing and sustenance so that your being can feel the abundance of love that is always available to you and that never runs out. And today I have an amazing friend of mine on the show today, which I'm super happy about. I've been waiting for a very long time to have her on our show and to be here with the tribe. Her name is Sahara Rose. And if you haven't heard of her, well, now you get a chance to really enlighten yourself to what I am talking about of, as a spectacular being. Sahara Rose is a powerful, powerful goddess who's bringing Ayurvedic knowledge and information to the modern time, taking ancient wisdom and bringing it and formulating it in the modern time in a way that we in the Western world and in the world as a whole can understand at a very fundamental and clear level. The clarity that she brings forth is, is so wonderful and profound and necessary right now in this day and age for all of us so that we can understand how to adapt other wisdoms from other cultures and really understand how to bring it into our lives so that we can have more optimum health and wellness on all levels of our being. And it is such an honor to have her be here with us today. Not to mention the fact that soon um, there will be a release of an amazing, amazing program that Sahara and I created with love to get all of you geared up and really set on fire fire on the lit train so that you can rock it in the world and really bring out your message to the world in such a big way without having to go through all the obstacles of what I have to do and how do I do it and where do I get started and all of that. And that right there is priceless. It is a gift. It is a bounty of spirit to be able to just recognize that you can go out there in the world and have wonderful mentors like me and Sahara to guide you and to lift you and shift you to higher limitless possibilities that you are. So before I go on even more and tell you how amazing she is, she's here with us right now. So I would like to welcome to the show, Sahara Rose. Thank you for being here on Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. Mm, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I love all of your episodes, all of the work that you do, and so excited for our Awaken Your Powers masterclass and having your tribe hop on, doing the live call with them. I'm just honored to be here. Yes. And tell before we you know, get more into what you do and everything, uh, tell us a little bit about the, the masterclass yes. and what, what people are going to be looking forward to. Mm, yeah. So both you and I noticed that a lot of people who 
reach out to us, want to become spiritual leaders, healers, really teachers in this field. We speak to a lot of very advanced souls out there. I mean, if you're listening to this, you are advanced. You are on your path. And I'm sure part of you wants to step out there into that role as being seen in your light and in your wisdom, but there's still so much fear. And both of us have gone through that. And it's a it's a constant initiation Absolutely. process, constant daily. We Shaman Dirk just did a shamanic session on me right before this. And still at whatever level you are, there's going to be those growing pains. But we really want to speak to that person who wants to be a leader in today's conscious world and how they can awaken their powers through social media, through finding their voice, through letting go of obligations, through letting go of ancestral and familial familial bondage so they can really shine their light and help others. So I'm so excited. It's going to be on both of our websites, both of our Instagrams. It's this full power two-hour masterclass. And then we're going to be doing a live call. So you guys can call in. We're going to answer your questions live on a webinar and it's going to be super lit. Yeah, it's definitely super lit. And I'm so happy to have you here because um, I love your book. I love your book. Your book's amazing. I started reading your book. It's like the dummy's guide to Ayurveda for me, you know, because yeah, so because so for me, it was like about being able to really understand Ayurvedic principles because I've always find it fascinating about Ayurvedic. Uh, I have a lot of friends from India. I have a lot of different friends from who really do Ayurvedic, but no one ever really sat down with me and said, okay, like this is what it is. This is what you are. This is what it means. This is how you should live your life. This is how it will help you in your life. And ever since I made the transition of really following this Ayurvedic principle for my own way of living, well, along with the OMAD lifestyle that I live, it has completely taken me to a whole new level of what it means to have self-care. And I just, you know, every time I look at your book, I just thank you for taking the time to create something so easy to read, so wonderfully explained in, in, in ways that you don't usually get when you go to someone and say, hey, tell me about Ayurvedic. Like you really break down all the different levels of it from, from how it, where it relates to us and how it relates to the old and how it all comes together in this very synergistic way that really assists us in creating um, a wellspring of health and wellness in our lives. And so I'm so honored to, to have you here. And I have so many questions for you. So I hope you're ready. Yes. So I really love this book. It's um, truly an amazing gift that you've given to us on this planet. The Idiot's Guide, As Easy As It Gets, Ayurveda. I mean, it really is amazing. And there's a forward by Deepak Chopra, which is lovely. And, you know, it just, you know, it explains so much. Like one of the things that I really got into was, um, you know, the dry brushing and really how to take care of myself based on my dosha. But before I go into all of that, I really want to get into, you know, what led you into this path. And, and then I want to get into, you know, like helping people understand these things so that when they go out and get your book, they already have this, this podcast and the information here to kind of go back and reference to of the things that you're saying so they get to hear your voice and really be a part of that experience of being, you know, having the podcast and having your book. Oh, yes. Well, thank you again so much. I love before Shaman Dirk was like, I, tra I travel so much, but I always bring your book with me. It's like helping me along the way. So you're like such a sweetheart and I'm so glad that it could assist you in any way. Um, what brought me into Ayurveda was really my own health crisis. I think every healer first needed the healing themselves. Otherwise, they wouldn't go into this field. Ayurveda is not sexy. And no one knew about it eight years ago when I started studying it. So growing up, um, I my parents were immigrants from Iran. And in Iran, it's interesting 
Iranians moved to Northern India. So it's something called Parsi. So it's a lot of the Ayurvedic stuff, but I didn't know it was Ayurvedic. I thought this is just like the stuff my grandma does. Like you eat warming foods, cooling foods, this. And now I've seen that almost every ancient culture has this. So my mom would always have me eat stews and rice and I hated it. I, I didn't speak any English in school. I wanted to fit in. I was had brown skin. I looked so different. My last name was weird. So I looked around. I saw, you know, I remember I brought my food from home one day and all the kids started laughing at me like, oh, that's poop stew. So I was mortified and I'm like, okay, I don't, I'm not white. Kids can be so Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm not white. I don't have blue eyes. I don't have blonde hair. I, I can't change my name, but I can start eating like them. So I came home. I'm like, mom, from now on, I'm just eating these Lunchables and these hot dogs and macaroni and cheese. And I made this list and like, these are the foods I'm going to eat. And the kids stopped making fun of my lunch. And soon enough, they started to share snacks with me and fit in. And over time, I started drinking the Kool-Aid and I became addicted. So I started to gain a lot of weight. Um, From that weight, I started to get really bad allergies, which turned into asthma, which turned into me not actually being able to go outside. Every time I went outside, I would get such a bad asthma attack that I'd have to go to the hospital. So because of that, I um, every time it was recess and the kids would play outside, I'd get sent to the principal's office. Not that I did anything wrong, just to sit and wait and they'd come back, which just created more separation. So I started to just play like computer games and like be at home and like, I don't want to go outside. I don't like running around. But eventually when I started middle school, I, um, you know, I wanted to be skinnier. I wanted to look cool. I was so embarrassed about my weight. And I remember I read Cosmo magazine and it said, Jennifer Aniston looks so good because she does something called hot yoga. And I'm like, what's hot yoga? I need, I need to do that. If, if it can make me look like Rachel from Friends, like I'm, I'm in. So I tell my mom, I look up like a hot in the yellow pages yoga studio. There's one in my town. I have my mom drop me off there and I have no idea what hot yoga is, but I notice they're all doing some like choreography and everyone's like doing the same thing. And I have no idea what's going on. I'm wearing like sweatpants and sweatshirt, start sweating and I'm start feeling connected to my body. And for the first time I was not running away from my body. I was actually just feeling it all. And in that yoga class, I, I cried and I just released and went through so much. And I knew then I just want to keep doing this. So I was 12 and I start practicing yoga. And from practicing yoga, I start reading about the Vedas. I start reading books by people like Deepak Chopra and I go on this yogic journey really without realizing it. And from that, I kept moving forward. I eventually went so healthy, I became a raw vegan. And I thought that that was like the ultimate level of health. So later in college, I was a raw vegan and my health actually started deteriorating. And at first I would notice that I was just so cold all the time. And I'd brush my hair and my hair is coming out. And then I would be at the gym and I'd like feel like I'm going to faint. And I would faint a lot of the times. And I didn't get my period one years, two years, got a blood test, no estrogen, no testosterone. My body's going through menopause. I'm 21 years old. So all these things are shutting down my body. And I'm like, I have no idea what's going on because I'm eating the healthiest diet possible. So it must be parasites. It must be this. It must be that. It must be something outside of me because my diets, right? So a lot of people think that if they eat, if they eat raw, if they go vegan or they do all these things that it's actually going to be like this big health change for them. Yeah. But it's really about eating what's right for you. Exactly. So 
At that time, I was volunteering in India, teaching health and sanitation in the slums of Delhi, still being a raw vegan. And while I was there, I had gone to so many kinds of doctors. I figured, why not go to an Ayurvedic doctor now? Again, I thought Ayurveda was bullshit. I thought it was like astrology or psychic or hocus pocus. I literally went in like, what What more could this person say? And the moment she saw me, she's like, Beta, you too pretty to not have baby. I'm like, huh? And just from looking at me, she knew I was infertile. She told me I was at risk of Alzheimer's. And already my body was beginning the stages of osteoporosis. So there I am, 21 years old. Diseases that an, an old person has. Why? My vata, my air, was so out of balance that everything shut off, digestion shut off, hormones shut off, blood circulation shut off because my body is in the state of survival. And you know, if you're being chased by a lion, you don't need to reproduce. You don't need to digest food. You need to just get out of there. Right. And how was I creating this? Only eating raw foods, which for me, too cooling. I live in Boston, which is like Antarctica. And I'm doing so much cardio every day, which is again, putting my body through this fight or flight response. So with that information, I said, what do I do? And she gave me these lists of foods, which were all lots of ghee and rice and things that I never wanted to eat. So I was just confused. Like, okay, she obviously has a lot of wisdom, but I don't like any of the suggestions she's giving me. And I want to stay vegan. How can I make this happen? So I'm like, okay, what if instead of the ghee, I use coconut or sesame oil? Instead of this rice, I use quinoa and I add in sweet potatoes and avocados and all of these things that are not Ayurvedic, but I use the guidelines, the qualities, but look at them from this lens of today. And I start bringing in, what does the latest research say? This, that. So I just start crafting this own thing, again, just to heal myself. I wanted to be an international human rights lawyer. No interest in this shit. Um, so, so There's nothing in, wrong with that either. There's nothing wrong with being a human, uh, oh, human rights lawyer. I mean, lawyer. yeah, I think eventually maybe I, I will, but you know, my body, my, this, my soul was like, how are you going to heal other people when you haven't healed yourself? And it gave me this problem to go inward. So I start studying Ayurveda. And as soon as I start studying it, it's like I intuitively knew the answers. Like I'd have a question and I, I knew the answer. And I'd start reading Sanskrit. I'd, un, I'd understand everything. I'm in India. I can basically understand all Hindi. Things are just coming back. I go to places. I know, I know my way around this house. Like all of these recognitions started coming back because I was on that Dharma path, moving in the direction I was meant to, to go. So I end up staying in India. I lived in India and studied Ayurveda for two years outside of Delhi in South India and in Kerala and in Goa, immersed 100% in the culture, lived with Ayurvedic doctors, cooking with them, eating on the floor with them, going to villages, seeing what they were doing, just like so hungry for this knowledge. And everything I was receiving, I would write down and construe, okay, how is this going to work for people in America, for people in Europe who don't have access to these spices and who don't have time to make bread from scratch every day? So you were already in um, your humanitarian nature because you weren't just doing it for yourself. You were doing it for yourself, of course, because that's where it always starts first. But then you literally went into, how can I support the people in America with this information? Exactly. Because I knew most, so many people have this problem and they're not going to go to India and figure it out on their own. And I've always known my, my life is really being a vessel of information and knowledge and healing. You could do it through law, you could do it through health, but it's still seeing yourself as that conduit for the higher source energy to move through. 
So I immediately received the download that I need to write a book that will help modernize this information. And again, I've never met an author at that point, didn't know anything about being a published, like getting a publisher, nothing. So I start writing and it starts coming through. I start channeling and 100 pages became 500 pages, 1,000 pages, 2,000 pages of Ayurvedic material I had written. How do, how the hell do I even know this information? But everything is just coming through. And long story short, I mean, so many synchronicities happened that Penguin Random House, biggest publisher, found me. They were looking for someone to write The Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda. And I wrote that whole book in in two months. And it's the best-selling Ayurveda book globally now. It it truly is. And I'm sure you see me put it on my IG lives and, and share it with people. And when I'm traveling around the world, I share it with people. It really is a wonderful book because it it's very informative, you know? And the, one of the things for me about when it comes to a book, if it's really difficult for me to read and I get bored, like if I start falling asleep while reading a book, I just put it down and I realize that there's something about the book, either I have resistance to it or it's just not informative enough to keep, my, to keep me focused on it. And what I love about it is I love how you, you, know, you, you have everything very um, organized in the book and you have everything set up in a way where if I have a question, there's like little wisdoms of ages and like definitions of things. And, you know, I really enjoy how everything is laid out in a way that makes such set, uh, you know, it's, it's such easy uh, understanding that it makes sense because it's done in such a very simple and easy way. But yet at the same time, you're really learning about what it means to really live an Ayurvedic lifestyle. And I think that's really important. And um, your story is by far really amazing, you know, and it's, a, it's such an honor to, um, to one, be your friend. Uh, I'm glad that our paths have crossed and that we're now collaborating and doing things together. But I just think you're such a, a wonderful and very powerful and gifted woman. And I think that the world um, needs to learn more about you know, the amazing Sahara Rose Katabi because you you really bring such an um, an essence to to life. You know, like when I'm around you, you're like, let me check your pulse, let me see what's going on with you. You know, and it's really great because it helps me to be able to you know to really stay in alignment with myself. And then the fact that I, you know, can go to your book and like, you know, reference things that are happening to me. Like, I'm okay, I'm getting very bloated. How come I feel very gassy? And I'm, you know, I'm only eating vegan food. What is going on? And then it's like, oh, I ate too much of this and this is why I'm getting it. So I start mod- I start moderating and modifying the way I eat by changing certain little things based on what your book is telling me. And then it actually shifts everything for me, you know? So it's really beautiful. So what would your, so with all this amazing journey of yours, I swear it's literally like the alchemist. Yeah, you're, you're such a, you know, don't you, don't you love life? Yes. Like, right? It's such a great journey. It's such a great journey. It's such a great journey. So at what point did you feel, as to when you did this book, what do you feel that at, at some point you must have felt on some level that humanity is really needing, because you're not going to step into any, because I know I'm the same way. Like I don't get involved in anything unless it's, it's going to support people in the right and the most efficient and most accurate way. At what point did you feel that that people, what did people need? What was missing? For me, it started with digestion. It really started with the physical body. That's what brought me into it. The fact that every time I ate food, I was in so much pain. And in Ayurveda, it's not you are what you eat, but you are what you digest. And not only do we digest food, but we digest thoughts, emotions, 
interactions with people. So when our digestion is weak or erratic, we're going to start experiencing everything in life like that. So the fact that my digestion was basically like, nope, food's not coming through, shutting off. How is that making me shut off to everything that I'm could potentially be receiving in life. So it began with the physical. And with that physical, then I start to notice, okay, what what more is here? How is the body connected to the mind? If I have this vata imbalance, how is this showing up? And at this point in my life, I was super not sure about what I wanted to do. I was looking at all of these paths, looking around me, like traveling all the time, like I thought for the rest of my life, I'm just going to be a gypsy or something. And in a way, it was me running away from my own powers, running away from that responsibility that I knew there was something big I had to do. But since I didn't know what it was, I'd rather just dismiss it. And I was amazing at starting projects and horrible at finishing any of them, which is a vata thing. So again, vata is air. So just as much as there's air in the body, there's air in the mind, which looks like anxiety, insomnia, forgetfulness, restlessness. And that was so me. I was like, every time I'd meet someone, I'm like, so what do you think I should do with my life? Like as if this stranger is going to know something about myself that I don't know. Mm -hmm. Why? Because I was looking for a mere reflection, uh, someone, Jesus, to come out of the sky and be like, here's your path and here's the blueprint on how to do it. And now, I, I mean, I the help. Golden, the golden scroll that comes from the sky. Exactly. Yeah. And now, I mean, I, I see so many people. It's not just me. And a vata imbalance is actually the most common imbalance. It's the dosha that falls most easily out of balance. Um, and especially with health-conscious women, I see. Because the foods that are told are healthy to us are what? smoothie, salad, granola bar, kale chips. All of these foods are cold, they're raw, they're dry, and they're going to increase our air, our vata. Why is bloating, gas, constipation, anxiety, forgetfulness, confusion, not knowing what you're doing? Why are these such big problems? Because all of our vatas are out of balance. As a society, we go on our computer 20 tabs up at once. You know, We haven't touched the earth since God knows when. Rubber. Mm. protection, layers, everything's in the air. I'm texting you. I'm, I'm coming up with these ideas with you, but do we, how often do we ground and take action and do? And I realized that my own, my own block away from my fire, from my pitta energy was keeping things in the ethereal. So I knew in my body, I have to increase my pitta in my mind, I have to increase my pitta. And that created the dance of the doshas. You know, when we have an idea, it moves through the vata. It's an idea, but you have to take action through the pitta and you birth it out into the world, the kapha, and the cycle begins again. And then these doshas begin to come to life to me. So, and you know, it's interesting what you said about the stomach, because in shamanism, we have a belief that if the stomach is, has really bad digestion, it's because someone can't digest information and they can't digest life. And so we always look at like, you know, if there's something with their stomach, if they're having too much acid in their stomach, it means that they have a lot of inflammation in the mind and that they have a lot of fire, a lot of um, distortion in anger, frustration, annoyance, things getting under their skin, all this kind of stuff. And if we feel like they have like, you know, skin problems and things of this nature, we see it as an imbalance in the stomach because in the shamanism, we call the stomach the ball. And the bowl houses all of the stomach. The stomach, what sits in the bowl is the organ. So the stomach represents the bowl and the organs represents all that sits in the bowl. So whenever someone like bleeds out, if they get cut really bad on their leg, like a really bad gash or whatever, all the blood rushes towards the bowl to protect what's inside the bowl because the bowl is sacred. 
And when that bowl doesn't have the right bacterias and the stomach um, lining is not in harmony, there's too much acidic, so it's causing ulcers and all this kind of stuff, we see that show up in someone's life. And so we can see why these problems are showing up in someone's life. I very much like the idea that they're very connected in such because from African culture into, you know, what we're talking here, Ayurvedic culture, um, it's very similar. And we always say that the, the stomach connects with the mind. So it's always about like what's being created in the world lets me know how someone's stomach is going, right? If there's harmony and there's balance and there's beautiful energies and people around them and there's this kind of like person's able to digest life, they're not reacting a lot. They're very in a very um, easy flow, easy state where they're able to, you know, to take life in. And like when something happens that they don't really like, they're able to digest that information and process it, then that tells me what's going on inside of their stomach as well. But when there's hardness in their stomach, there's hardness in themselves and their mind and their spirit. So it's really beautiful what you're saying. Uh, I would like to dive into uh, these beautiful um, doshas. And if you can give me an understanding of each dosha, that would be wonderful. Okay. So let's say I was like, Shaman Derek, I'm dating this really airy guy. What do you think he's like? Describe his personality. What I would think? Yeah. Airy guy. I would say that he's very much into his looks. And he's got like um, a very. I would say he probably has thin skin. Like he's very, you know. I, I could when I think airy, I think like he's kind of like in his mind a lot, and he's into his looks and he's into aesthetics. So when he's on the date, he's gonna check out what you're wearing. He's gonna look at like your your look. He's gonna look at more of could you be someone that could look good next to him. He's gonna focus on very um, mental things, like very. I would think if he's airy, he's going to focus on someone, you know, he's going to be in a conversation with you while being in his head at the same time. So it'll be like, he'll talk to you, but he'll be thinking while you're talking. And then he'll be thinking about what he's going to say to you and also judging a situation. If it's, I feel like if he's out of balance, he'll probably be judging everything around him and judging what comes out of your mouth and analyzing it and deciding where he's going to go from that point. I would say that he's a bit of a superficial person. It uh, doesn't necessarily be super superficial. I feel like he could also be very uplifting and very like, you know, a uh, breath of fresh air and a, a thinker who could see things and really help guide you through a lot of different things. But it depends again, what mood they're in. That's what I would think. So he's basically the guy from LA. <laughs> yeah, actually, you know, LA because guy. that's funny that you say that because I, I've noticed that a lot of men in LA are airy. They're very like, look at me. I'm so hot. Look at my body. You're lucky you're with me. They look more in the mirror than they do. And they look, I noticed that men in LA look more in the mirror than women who look at themselves in the mirror. Or they'll like go up to a female and like make themselves like, I'm so hot. I'm so this, da, 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 da. You should be like, like you should like go crazy for me right now. Cause they, and they're very much about like how their shoes look and how their pants looks and how their shirt looks and you know this kind of very aesthetic aesthetic way. I mean, I even have a friend in LA that I went to his house and he had like a spiritual book on um, by his bedside. His house was so perfectly all manicured and everything. And I looked at the book and I'm like, I know good and well you did not read that book. He's like, okay, why do you make? Why do you think that? I go, I know you. You did not read that book. That book is not here because you read it. Because when you bring a girl over, you want the girl to think that this is who you are. This isn't who you are. And he just started laughing. He's like, well, they don't know that, you know. And, it, and it's, it's like, all up in the air, exactly. It's all up in the air. 
Yes. So that's exactly what vata and imbalance really can look like. So we even have the words in English, an airhead, a space head, a space cadet, airy fairy, right? So you're ungrounded, really. It's all intangible. So on the good side, they're creative, artistic, they're visionaries. A lot of Vata people can see things that other people cannot, spiritually connected to the Akasha source. No, that's my manager. That's my niece. Yes. So I like to think of Steve Jobs. You know, Steve Jobs saw this world with like iPhones and Macs and a world that we could have never believed in. But we've all seen the movies and seen the other side of him, that he was erratic, that he actually became a raw vegan, called it apple after that, you know, Vata mm, right there. Right. He's tall and lanky and has a long face, which is how Vatas look like. So creative, eccentric, energetic, moving really fast, talking really fast. Maybe they're even restless, shaking sometimes because it's like all this like nervous energy which can turn into the anxiety, insomnia, overthinking, um, being overly superficial, surface level, again, the air. And then moving into that body, if I have so much air in my stomach, bloating, gassy, how's air? Cold, dry, so I'm constipated. Mm -hmm. In my skin, dry skin, dry hair, dry nails, feeling cold all the time, shaking, wrinkles. You know, people, as they get older, become more vata. They forget. They start shaking more. They get wrinkly. So we start to notice the life force is sucking out and they become more ethereal, also connected to source, thinking about the next life. So that's really what vata looks like. Wow. Air, wow. That space. was intense. What I just went through just now with that. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, we all, and again, when I say these doshas, I don't want you to categorize yourself. I'm only a vata, only a pitta. We're all, all three, but in varying amounts, we all have this vata side of us. And in certain points in our, our lives, it could be higher In certain points. It could be lower. Really what Ayurveda, the word Ayurveda means knowledge of life. It means to just have full knowledge and know where you're out of balance and imbalance. So you can just be balanced in all three. Why, when I took my um, Ayurvedic test, it showed up that I was pita. Because didn't have you have any mixture more, of anything. So you have a lot of pitta going on. You were 100% pitta? Yeah, I said 100% pitta. It didn't say vata. It didn't say kapha. It just said 100% pitta. You should take the quiz on my website because- I, I did it on Deepak's. Okay, do the quiz on my website because I, it's not like any other quiz. I break down the dosha in your mind and the dosha in your body in exact percentages. So I'll show you what percentage vata, what percentage pitta, what percentage kapha. Okay. Because I know you have a vata side, which is your ethereal seeing things connected to source side. And I know you have a kapha side, which is your like chill, loving, cuddly side. You are all three. My delicious side. Yeah, just the one that is probably most in power is your pitta, but you still have connections with two because you're a balanced person. So I'm going to, okay. So I took the thing on Deepak, but I'm actually, as and everyone- do it on I am that's a good, that's, I think that's a good uh, reference point right there is everyone take your your test on Sahara Rose. Um, I am Sahara Rose. I am Sahara Rose.com. All right. Tell me about the next one. So the next one is pitta. So pitta is the fiery dosha, but actually when you break it down, it's comprised of both fire and water. What are the two most powerful elements? You know, fire can burn down a house, but water can bring that fire. So this is two powerful elements coming together to create pitta. So pitta, if I'm like, ooh, I met this girl and she's super fiery, what do you think her personality is like? I definitely think she speaks really fast. You know, so I'd have to catch, I mean, I would, 
I mean, I'd probably flow with her. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or awaken your powers faster. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she speaks really fast. She's um, she's determined. She's very determined. She's very much like um, doesn't want to put up with nonsense. Doesn't want to put up with like very like superficial type things. She's very demanding, and she's got very high maintenance personality. She is the type of person who. Um, likes to make sure she has authority over things and she has to get a job done. If she says something, she speaks matter-of-factly about it. And she knows what she wants. She's not playing games. She's like very straight up, like, this is what I want. This is how it is. Um, you don't like it, oh well. Um, I see her as someone who's, uh, who's more interested in the intellectual and more interested in like having conversations about things that are moving energy, that things that are happening in the world. She's probably doing stuff for like Greenpeace or doing something for another, for like some humanitarian work, or she's involved in something that she's very strongly passionate about and she's sharing it with me. Uh, and I think she's a person who'll be like, I'll be right back. And she runs to the bathroom and she comes right back. You know, I see her being like someone who like when the waiter comes, she knows exactly what she wants and she takes full charge and probably even order for me. <laughs> and uh, I see her as being someone who's very passionate. Have wise. you dated a pitcher girl? This is very specific. No. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking. I'm basing <laughs> off of yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm basing off of what you said. So yeah, so that's how I see her. Love it. Exactly. That's super pitta. So pitta, the fire is going to make you see things. Yes or no, sometimes black or white. So pitta people, they know what they want. They're going to go get it. They're ambitious. They're goal-oriented. They're scheduled. They have a very strong grasp of time. They know what time it is always. You can ask, what time is it? Five, 12. They just know. So they're always keeping track of time. They are the type of people who, if you hang out with them, they're like, let me send you a Google Cal and like, confirm it on your end. And it's like, we're going to hang out at like 4.15 to 3. You know, they're so hyper-organized. But why? Because again, they want the con- they want the control. And they feel like if they give up the control, then things won't get done. Things will get stuck in the air. Things just will get too down in the earth. So they want that fire to keep it moving. So that goal-oriented, ambitious personality, which helps them get things done, well, life doesn't always go our way. And sometimes people cancel and they don't say no on Google Cal. And sometimes you're stuck in traffic and sometimes people take longer than they said they would take. And that's when the fire starts building up. That's interesting because I'm pizza. And in the past, when I was really young, people used to like make plans with me and then cancel like the last minute. I used to, I used to I get enraged. Now I let go. And I'm like, whatever. Like, I don't care. Because Pitta's lesson in this life is trust and surrender. You know, vatas need to ground anchor. Pittas need to trust and surrender. So with the pittas, that fire within them turns into the volcano. And then suddenly it can turn into being agitated, being impatient, being annoyed. People just uh, rubbing you the wrong way, which can then even turn into anger if not properly released and addressed. Would they scream if they were? For sure. Yeah. So if you're seeing someone like ah, screaming, road rage, anything like that, that's pitta in full force right there. Coming from an imbalanced place because each dosha has its balance side and its imbalance side, its shadow side and its light side as you'd say in shamanism. So the shadow side would be to scream and yell in a negative way at a person, but maybe the right way of handling that anger was to dance it out, to punch a pillow, to sit in it and go even deeper into it. So anger, impatience, rage, agitation, all pitta. So we can look at two sides of the spectrum as Jennifer Lopez. Jennifer Lopez, she's fiery Latina. She knows what she wants. She's in her 40s. She's crushing it. 
muscular. So pitta people, I saw a picture of you in your 20s. You're like six pack abs. Yeah, like, major. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm going back to. That's yeah, why exactly. I'm like working out. And yeah, like, and for you, it's probably easy for it, you. It's so easy. I'm yeah. a regimented person. So yeah. people are like, I don't understand how you just do this OMOD thing. You've been on it for like a month and a half. And like, you don't get tempted? I'm like, no. And then they come to my house. They're like, who organized all your socks and color coordination? I'm like, I did. <laughs> so fit of you. And they're just like, why would you do that? I'm like, because uh, organization gives me more space to get more things done. Right. Pittas, need, pittas are the kind of people, if it's messy around them, they like can't work. They yeah. need everything around them to be okay. But also that comes into the control because really you don't need it. It's your mind telling you that you that you need it and then you fixate on that thing. So That's interesting because, you know, before I died in the hospital, I went through that whole experience. I had a tree house in LA and literally anyone who came to my house, all my cans were aligned in one direction. My towels were set up a certain way. I had like, everything was done perfectly. And when a friend came over and they messed it up and I used to freak out, like I used to have like panic attacks. And then when I died and I was in that wheelchair, being in that wheelchair, there were, I remember my sister, it was a funny thing. My sister was sort of doing things around my house that I couldn't control. And I couldn't get out of the chair to like go and chase her and be like, stop doing that. I was in the chair. So I was like, I'm in a wheelchair. I can't really get what I want. Everyone's coming in my home and like taking care of me, but they're messing up the way I want the order to be. And I just started screaming for two hours straight. And my sister's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, leave me alone. And I just started screaming and screaming. And finally at the end of screaming, I didn't care anymore. Yes. It's, you know, it's like the kid when they throw the temper tantrum and they scream and they yell and eventually they just surrender to the floor and it's gone and they, and it's released. That's exactly what I did. Yeah. I screamed and screamed myself into sleep. And then I woke up and I just didn't care anymore. My sister was like, you don't care if I move this towel like this? I'm like, I don't care. Because you're freed. And that was the pitta being released and moving through you. So that's exactly a beautiful example of what the Pitta Dosha can look like. And and as you as someone who surpassed that limitation. So again, just because I'm saying you may be a certain Dosha doesn't mean you're stuck in the shadow side. You can overcome that. So with the Pitta, Pitta people, when they let go of that, then they really step up into their power and they can use their dynamic strength and energy and perseverance And also not get agitated when life doesn't go their way. And that's when they really rise up. And Pittas were born to be managers and leaders and presidents of society. That's what they're here for. Their archetype is the king, is the warrior. Whereas Vata, it's the artisan. It's the the Saraswati. It's more of the, the thinker and the philosopher. Whereas the Pitta is takes that and then says, okay, how can we take action and how can we bring it to the people, which is what your thing is all about. That's what I'm all about. And my niece, she's Vata and she's all about aesthetics. I mean, even when you go to her Instagram, you see like everything's all about beauty and aesthetics, but she's super smart. Like she thinks about things I would never even think about. For sure. And I'm like, where did you come up with that? She's like, I don't know. I think all the time. It just never goes away. Yeah. Vatas receive information from about five places at once. So they can be listening to you and hearing and noticing all at once. Whereas with Pitta, it's more of the king and warrior energy that it's like, it nails in and it focuses. And it gets that thing done. It's like, are we done? moving forward. Yep, I even say that. Right, that's so, that's so your style with the spirit hacker. Is it done? 
Did we get this done? Is it good? Good. Moving forward. Let's talk about blah, 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 blah. Right. Because you can compartmentalize in your mind. It's almost like drawers. The pit is like, okay, let's look at this issue. Okay, is it done? Close the drawer. Next issue. Whereas for a vata, it's a lot more of this flow of like, I don't know, was I really over that? Did I think about that? Because they didn't fully dive into it. So it becomes this dance and it keeps on coming back and and resurfacing. And that's also sort of the Shiva and the Shakti too. Vata is more of the Shakti, the flow, and this, and Shiva is the creation destruction. So there is more, I would say, polarity in the pitta minds, but when you can overcome that and see all that is, you can use that strength for good. And then again, in the body, the fire turns into, again, the, in Ayurveda, we call it an agni. Agni means fire. So our digestive fire for pitta is going to be too hot acidity, heartburn, your heart is burning. We have these words in English, you know, a hothead, same thing. So you feel hot all the time. You're sweating. Yeah, that's me. Um, yeah. So are you someone that the moment you start working out, you're sweating? Immediately. Yes. And I get hot under chin. Like, like if I'm overworking and if I'm like on an airplane, I'm doing like a workshop, I'm working with people, then I have to go shoot this thing. Then I come back and then I have a friend who wants to go to dinner. At the end of the day, all of a sudden, my whole body starts turning to fire. I start feeling hot everywhere. Because you've been in your pitta all day. And I'm just day. like, oh my God, oh my God, it's so hot. And I'm sweating like crazy. My skin is burning hot. Everyone's like, are you okay? You have a fever? I'm like, I'm burning hot. I think it's just the pizza. My pizza is out of out It of is out of balance. I need to go to sleep. I need to lay down. I need to cool myself off. I need something. So I, I put like a cold rag on my head and I lay down and it starts to cool down. Exactly. Because pittas love to get things done and check things off their to-do list and do, do, do. But we have to bring it back into balance. And then that's why they can get burnout. You literally get burnt out and adrenal fatigue. Because again, it's that cortisol, that cortisol that feels really good. You don't realize when you're running on cortisol all the time, which is our stress hormone, eventually our cortisol levels plummet because they can no longer handle the amount of stress. And then our adrenals, which are in charge of you know stress, they get tired. So adrenal fatigue is when you start gaining weight on your midsection, even though you're eating healthy, and you start feeling tired during kidney the day. Kidney failure, kidney failure, kidney failure be. for sure. Papitas have a lot of kidney kidney stones. Um, I mean, I had kidney failure. Yes, exactly. And everyone said I got it because I burnt myself out. I was traveling like nonstop, kept going and going and going. They said my blood pressure went up. All of a sudden, my kidneys just blew. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I also, you're a night person. Pitta is the strongest between the hours of 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. and 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. So a lot of pittas, I have a lot of pitta in me too. So I get it. At night, suddenly you're like, oh my God, I have all this energy. Let's let's podcast. Let's this, let's that. Like I know you were up to like 5 a.m. last night, but it's the opposite of what a pitta needs. Right. I was up to 5 a.m. with Luke. Yeah. <laughs> but my niece, you know, my funny, my niece says that when the sun goes down, she's like, that's when uncle comes alive. Right. Like that's what my youngest niece, Natalia, says. She's like, when the sun goes down, she's like, Uncle's a vampire. He rests during the day and he's very like just mm-hmm, going to get a spa, handling business the way he you know. But when that sun goes down, I'm on fire. Yeah. You know, I feel the same way. And it's because of our adrenal fatigue, because literally what's going on in your body, and you can take a saliva test and observe this. I recommend everyone does it if they think they have adrenal fatigue, but you can see where your cortisol is at. So for example, as someone who has it, in the in the day, instead of being at the highest level, it's kind of down here. And what cortisol should look like is it plummets. And then by the end of the day, you're you're tired. But with someone with adrenal fatigue who's super pitta, who's running off of that stress for too long, 
their adrenal, their cortisol is kind of in the middle. So they wake up, they don't feel super energetic. Then it plummets. Then at nighttime, it goes up. And then nighttime feels like what most people feel like in the morning. And then suddenly you want to get things done. So then you create the story of, I'm a night person. I'm more creative at night. I get things done better. And then you perpetuate the cycle. That's exactly what I say. I'm a night owl. Right. I burn that midnight oil. But you you can change that and you should change that because the hours of sleeping between 10 p.m. and and 12 a.m. are the most potent hours of healing. And when you go to any spiritual place, the monks, the sadhus, the rishis, they wake up at three in the morning and that's when they start their day because they only needed the hours of sleep between about 10 p.m. to to 3 a.m. They only need a few hours of sleep because those hours are so potent because why the energy of the solar energy of the earth is still in this in this plane. So when we sleep during that time, it's much more healing versus if you sleep during the day, you wake up, you're still tired. So the time that you're sleeping, the time that you're doing everything is connected to the circadian rhythm. So yes, we have lights and electricity. We can try to outsmart our bodies, but really we can't. So when should I go to bed? By 10 p.m. By 10 p.m. Yes, we all should go to bed by 10 p.m. because that's when pitta increases again. It, it took me it took me a, a while. How I recommend it is whatever time you sleep, try to sleep tonight one hour earlier and try to keep that up for a week. If you once you got that, then you can move another hour. I was sleeping at 3 a.m. most of the nights, and then I said, okay, let me sleep at two. Eventually one, eventually midnight, eventually eleven. So now I'm kind of in the eleven-ish range. Still need to get to 10. But when I'm somewhere like I was just in Bali for a few weeks, easily, I want to sleep at nine. Why? Because I'm not triggered by this laptop and this cell phone and this and that. Our bodies want to sleep at this time. We're only confusing them with all this light that we're exposing it to. So I go to bed at 10 o'clock. What time do I wake up? Because I don't sleep very long. I only sleep like, I went to bed a couple nights ago around like nine o'clock and I woke up at two o'clock. Yeah. I mean, the amount of sleep you need really varies person by person. Ayurveda says that you should wake up before the sun rises. So it depends what time the sun rises where you are. So I think here in LA, it's probably like 6 a.m. the sun rises. You could wake up at like 5.30 and you could do your sadhana, your morning meditation practice before the sun rises. 6 a.m. we begin kapha time. So kapha, which is the last dosha I'll get into, it's earthy and it's calm and it's grounded. So that's the best time of your day to have something warm, to stimulate your body, to do your yoga or some sort of exercise practice. Then when pitta increases, then that's when you cool down. And then when vata increases, that's when you ground. So really with these doshas, we want to do the opposite to bring them back into balance. So bed at 10 o'clock. And wake up right before the sunrise. What if I wake up before that? That's okay. If that's all the sleep your body needed, because especially when you meditate a lot, you need less sleep. Yeah, that's why. I only sleep sometimes three hours. And for some people, that's enough. Okay, cool. That's that's rad. So pita, I love being a pita. Yeah, pitas, I mean, we we all need pita, yeah. Pita's like the bread. Right. (laughs) And I'm telling everyone pita. I'm like going around the world telling everyone, I'm a pita. (laughs) I'm a pita bread. (laughs) It's a pita. Pita, That's hilarious. I love that. I love that I did that actually. What's the next one? Kapha. So kapha is the earth dosha. So if I was like, oh, I know this girl, she's really earthy. What do you think she's like? I don't think I've ever dated an earthy girl. I think about it. Like I would say if she's earthy, she's probably very like chill and all wants to massage me. 
Or maybe I have dated a couple of earthy girls. <laughs> uh, she's like chill, wants to massage me, wants to talk about like the foods that we're eating and like wants to sit in front of the TV with me and like, you know, like cuddle in the bed and like just be like all comfy and comfy and stuff. And, you know, wants to um, take walks on the beach and wants to be like, yeah, you know, I'm going to go do this like wonderful yoga class and uh, I'm going to go and like drink. I'm going to go today and get like my smoothie and then get my feet in the sand and just feel like Pachamama come through me, and, <laughs> you know, and like shaman, you know, you need to stop working so hard and like just come relax with me. Why don't we just go like take a jacuzzi or something and just go cuddle up with a blanket and watch like some kind of show. Exactly. So, Kafa's talk. Mm, a little bit like this. Mm, they stare in your eyes for quite a long time. Yes. Oh, God. And they hug you for sometimes a little bit too long. I do that. <laughs> I hug people really long. Right. Well, that's your Kafa coming through. But for a lot of people, it makes them feel uncomfortable. So, Kafa's talk a little bit like this. And they'll let it sink in. And if you're really pitta, this is pissing you off a lot right now. Because you're like, what is this bitch going to say? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's me. <laughs> Even when you started doing it, doing I was it, like, like, did you see my facial expressions? Yeah, you're like, this is a podcast. I was podcast. like, oh my God, yeah. stop. Just move. Like, like sometimes, you know what I tell people? I'm like, because I think I've talked to Kafa people. I always say to them, I'm like, so can we bottom line that? Yeah. <laughs> They're like, do you have to be so rude? I'm like, I'm just saying bottom line it. This feels like it's going on forever. Right. I got things to do. Bottom line that for me. Yeah. Like Kafa people. Okay. So the be we all have a beauty side, shadow side. So the beauty of Kafas is they're so grounded. They're so anchored. Like shit hits the fan. The Vata's an anxious mess. The Pitta's screaming. The Kafa's like, it's okay. We're going to get through this. We got this. So they're very positive. They are loyal. They're the type of people who will remain friends with someone until the end of time. They may even remain friends with the wrong people until the end of time because they don't like change. They like to stick to their habits. They like to stick to what they know. They will be born and maybe die in that same city, in that same house, working that same job that maybe they don't like. Why? Because it's easy. Not that that's a bad thing, you know? Kafas love ease and grace. Kafas love to give people. They are the friend that everyone comes to when they need a shoulder to cry on. They have grandmother energy. So your grandmother, she's like, can I cook for you? Can I clean for you? Can I knit you some socks? Like, what What can I do for you? So Kafa's good. I like Kafa then. It's good for me because that's very what I, good. Very that's good. what I need to do to balance out. And we should always date doshas who are not the same as us because if you're with a pitta, it's just going to be too much fire. Mm. So the Kafa's going to actually calm you down. So grandmother energy taking care of Oprah. She's such a kapha. Like her body is super kapha. So kaphas, as we take on energy, we store it on our body somatically. So kaphas have a hard time losing weight. They gain weight easily, have a hard time losing it. They have slower metabolism, slower everything. Again, earth, think about how slow the earth moves. So Oprah, for example, what is she known for? You get a car, you get a car. Everyone gets a car. She's known for listening. As an interviewer, she holds space. She asks a question. She doesn't judge. She doesn't give you feedback. She just listens. And that's why people love her and they feel so welcome in her energy. Mm -hmm. But her biggest problem, which she speaks about all the time, is she was a yes person. Oh, can you come speak at this charity dinner in Spain? 
Yes. Can you come to donate this? Yes. Anything she needs, she'd say yes, yes, yes. Again, because she wanted to make everyone around her happy because that's how coffers are. They love to create harmony, but sometimes they put everyone else in front of them that they put themselves last. And though coffers are always smiling and laughing and good-hearted, beautiful people, they're the most likely to suffer from depression. So Robin Williams is a good example of this. He was making America laugh. Again, very cough of face, cough of body, but we did not know he was depressed. So that's why oftentimes the people- I love Robin Williams, by the way. Love Robin Williams. He's inspired me a lot since I was a kid with um, Mork and Mindy. Absolutely, yes. So he was a pure example of just making people laugh and did he ask for help? No, because a lot of times coffers, when you go deep into the root, they feel like if they're not the happy, smiley, laughing ones, the world around them is going to collapse. And they need to make sure that they're stable and dense because they're seeing everyone else is not. But really, it's that other people have an easier time expressing it. And since coffers don't, they think their expression is a sign that they're not okay. So they make sure they're even more anchored and more dense. And like when you were doing the sh- shamanic thing on me, you were saying when things would get hard, I would stop breathing. Well, that was my kapha coming in saying, protect, hold the space, ground. You know, that that's our kapha. It's like, hold the fort but it's okay to move through things. So what coffers really need is stimulation. It's trying new things. It's meeting new people, getting out of your comfort zone. It's moving. It's sticking away from your comfort foods and the dairy and the grounding foods and the sweets and moving into the spicy foods and the bitter foods and pungent foods. So for them, like steamed vegetables with some like cumin and ginger and things that are going to get their metabolism going, that's going to heal them not just on the body level, help them lose weight, but also in the mind. So when kapha is excess, you feel sluggish, you feel stagnant, you feel heavy. The majority of Americans feel this way all the time. They think it's normal. They think it's normal to wake up exhausted. I need to run to my coffee. Oh, mid-afternoon snack. I need some chocolate to get me going. Oh, now I can come home and have a drink and collapse on the couch. And they think that's life. That's just a kapha imbalance. So we, as Americans, obesity, being overweight, like when I was a little kid, I was experiencing kapha feeling heavy and stagnant, then again, not wanting to go outside. I developed mucus, allergies, asthma, kapha escalating. Then I super went away from that. Then I became two in the vata. There have been times in my life that I'm two in the pitta. So you can, you dance with all of the doshas. We were born with something called the prakriti, which is our natural born constitution. It's your, it's in your DNA. So you may have been born, I think with you, primarily, primarily pitta, secondarily kapha, lastly vata. But that's what you're thinking for me. That's what I'm thinking for you in your property. But in your life, things can change things. So now, probably you are much more in your pitta, maybe than in your vata because you're traveling a lot. And lastly, in your kapha. So the kapha is showing up because it's like, hey, I'm in your constitution and you're not resting and you're not grounding and you're not nourishing. So I'm going to show up in the shadow side way mm. and make you get a cough or whatever else because it's part of you that you could have expressed in this just resting, nurturing, being connected to the earth and nature, which is also where you thrive too. Right. That would make sense. So it's showing up in my shadow form. Exactly. Because again, it's like a, a screaming kid. It's like, you're not paying attention to me. Let me throw a temper tantrum. So our body speaks to us in ways that we will address. Your body knows if I'm going to give you a stomach ache or a headache or a cough, that's how you're going to notice me. 
So that's what shows up. That's in shamanism as well, too. Yes, yes. Say the body's an instrument and it communicates to you what you need, what it needs. And if you don't listen, then it creates these types of things to get your attention. Exactly. And you know, the body is a reflection of the mind and as is the microcosm, so is the macrocosm. And as a society, we are experiencing a global cough imbalance, but also a pizza imbalance too. So the pizza imbalance is showing up in war and rage and violence and gun violence because this is the pitta side of us that has not been formally navigated towards getting our goals done and moving towards, you know, like before men would go hunting and they had a task and they had things to do and it was a tribe and a brotherhood and they could scream and drum and they could channel that energy out that way. They don't have a place for that anymore. So there's a lot of this wounded pitta masculine type energy. And then it shows up in these shadow sideways. So we can see what's going on in our lives, what's going on in our society, what doshas it's related to. That's why, you know, for example, a shadow side of Pitta is Donald Trump. He is flaming hot red. I mean, he dyed his hair orange. He wanted the world to know he's a Pitta, but you can see from the way he speaks, it's a lot of duality, us versus them, fear versus like evil, like get the terrorists, get the immigrants, get the other people, blame, blame, blame. And we can see in his body, a lot of redness coming out of his skin. I'm sure he gets hot all the time. I'm sure he has heartburn problems. So really we should all just send him some cooling vegetables, some coconut water. Like, <laughs> that's what he needs. So again, you could be Jennifer Lopez, you could be Donald Trump. And with the kapha, you could be Oprah and Robin Williams, or you could be an obese, depressed person. So mm. both doshas have beauty and strength and wisdom and specific dharma, specific things they were meant to achieve in this lifetime. But if you don't, it's going to manifest in the wrong way. Amazing. Amazing. That was so thorough and so needed. And I'm sure everyone who's listening is like lit and so excited because we're getting straight education from Sahara Rose. So tell me about um, these hours, because I want to get my hours right, because I thought I was saying something right the other day. And then when I called you, it was incorrect. So I really want to understand how these hours, when is the pita hour? Yeah. So let's walk through a 24 hour cycle. So we begin at 6am, which is around sunrise. So 6am, we begin with the kapha. So think about a baby being born. It's the spring. The morning is the spring of, of the day. So the sun is beginning to rise. We are beginning to awaken. The birds are beginning to chirp. So between 6 a.m. and 10 a.m., we're in kapha time. So this is not the time to eat a ginormous breakfast. A lot of times we think breakfast is the most important meal of the day. We wake up, we're like eggs and a bagel and this and that. It's too heavy. Your body just woke up from a fast. You have to break the fast. How? Just something warm. First thing in the morning, if you want to do one Ayurvedic thing, you want to take away one thing, start your day with something warm, not hot coffee, hot water. If you want to amplify it, do something called CCFT. It stands for cumin, coriander, and fennel seeds. It's tridoshic, meaning it works for all three doshas. And it works on healing your digestion and removing impurities from the body. Because when we sleep, that's when we detoxify. You send that to me in a WhatsApp. Yes. So it's called CCFT. How you make it is you boil about four cups of water. You add in half a teaspoon of ground cumin, ground coriander, and ground fennel seeds. You can also do whole, but then you just have to remove them, steep them at the end. So you drink that in the morning, your agony, your digestive fire starts going. It starts getting ready. You know, you never want to eat something before you had something warm before. Otherwise your digestive fire is not ready. Think of it like we went camping one night, okay? 
Imagine we had a fire, we're singing uh, around the fire. We go to sleep, the fire starts to slowly go out. Imagine if I wake up in the morning, I throw some bricks on that fire. The fire's gonna go out. It was this little ember, now there's heavy bricks on the fire. It can't handle. Now imagine I pour cold water on the fire. The fire's gonna go out, which is what most people are doing. A green smoothie, green juice, cold water, iced coffee, cold. That's not what the fire needs. You need to slowly, slowly bring the embers of the fire fully back to life. Interesting. So when I ate today from my Omad, I should have had something warm before I warm, ate. Warm, yeah. Even, even with that, you can still in fasting, you can drink hot water with the cumin, coriander, or fennel seeds. It's not I going. do hot water and lemon all the time. Yeah. Especially when I'm on an airplane, I was like, what do you want to drink? I'm, me and my niece are like hot water and lemon. Yeah. You can totally do that. And just a more Ayurvedic thing, a more stimulating thing for your Agni would be the, the CCF or just ginger. Ginger and water is great. Um, any kind of spice. In Ayurveda, it's a kitchen science. And I can go into why, because the British rule made Ayurveda illegal. They said Ayurveda is barbaric. We don't want people healing themselves. So they made Ayurveda illegal. And Ayurveda used to be the leading medical system in India. So when it became illegal, all they had were the foods in their kitchen. So they said, how can we use these spices and herbs to heal arthritis and osteoporosis, and all these massive health problems? And they figured out ways. So everything comes down to the foods you eat and the drinks you have and things like that. So the CCF is tridoshic, but even if you just do one of them, it's still going to give you benefits. And spiced hot water is eight times more absorbable by the system than regular room temperature water. Nice. Yeah. And when we drink it, we don't want to chug a lot at once. You want to take a sip of water every 20 minutes. And a really good test to see if your system is chronically dehydrated is to set a timer on your phone, do this for like three days, every 20 minutes, take a sip of warm water, warm spiced water, ideally. If you notice after the three days, every 20 minutes you are thirsty, you have been chronically dehydrated. And finally, your system is getting a chance to really get nourished again. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. You, can you send that to me as well too? Yes, absolutely. I need that tip. Is that yeah, in the book? It's, it's in the book also, yes. Can you mark the page and let me know which it is so yes. I can keep on top of that? Yeah. So I recommend an easy thing to do is just to like the night before on your stove top, put in the cumin, coriander, fennel seeds, or ginger, or turmeric, whatever you want, and um, let it boil the water, then let it just sit in there overnight so it's really getting steeped. Put that in your mug, your thermos, whatever. Bring it with you throughout the day. And then when you see it's getting cold, anywhere you go on this earth, you can get free hot water. Go to Starbucks, go to Dunkin' Donuts, go wherever you want. Just keep adding more hot water to it. So you keep taking sips. And again, like think of like the old Chinese person. She's not shoving an Evian bottle down her throat. She's just taking sips of her tea, sips of her tea. And that's what we need. We focus too much on the quantity. It's not the quantity, it's the frequency. So with the morning, back to coffee time, we start with the warm water. If you can have something wait till you're hungry. Not everyone's hungry in the morning, especially if you have a kapha imbalance going on, you're not going to be hungry in the morning because that's your body actually saying, I need to detoxify. Whereas someone who has a lot of pitta, who needs to eat, maybe they work out a lot. They're going to be so hungry in the morning that they need some sort of food. So for them, it's best to have something again, that's warm. So you could do quinoa porridge or oatmeal or um, like a chia pudding or something. I don't get hungry in the morning. Yeah. Everyone's different. And also keep in mind that men and women have different hormones. So men can do really well with intermittent fasting. It doesn't work as well for women because again, the 
the men, their bodies thrive off of like survival and hunting and danger. And it makes you just more fit and acclimated. Whereas for the woman, it makes them feel like, oh my God, it's not safe for me to have babies because, you know, the doshas can affect each other and a deep, deep vata imbalance will then imbalance your kapha. So a lot of women who intermittent fast end up gaining weight. Interesting. Yeah. So six to 10 a.m., before I, I could like explain all Ayurveda with you all night long, yeah. but six to 10 a.m., we're in kapha time, warm. This is a good time to exercise. Do it in the morning because that way you're going to be stimulated for the rest of the day. If you don't do it in the morning, you're going to bring that sluggishness, that kapha with you for the rest of the day. Then 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., we're in pitta time. This is a good time to get shit done, answer your emails, do your tasks, boom, 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 because that's you're efficient. You're like a clock at that time have your biggest meal during ideally the 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. So the OMAD that you're doing, Ayurveda would say, have that meal of the day at noon because when the sun is highest in the sky, the Agni, the fire is also highest because again, work related to the sun. So that's when your digestive juices are ready and they're ready to break down. And then you have the rest of the day to fully break down that foods. I understand that you sleep later. So for you, midday feels like 4 p.m., but if you totally relate to the circadian rhythms, noon becomes midday. And that's that's actually what your biology is is reflecting. So when do you think I should be eating at noon? At noon and have that as your meal of today. Okay, so I'll change it from four to noon. Yeah. Okay. At 2 p.m., we enter vata time. So vata time, and that's until 6 p.m. again when we go back into kapha. So vata time is the time of creativity. It's the time when things are moving. So that's a good time to do your brainstorming, your, your writing, your podcasting, your, your visual stuff. Because again, you're feeling more creative and spacey. But that's also the time where a lot of people reach for that snack or the chocolate or the second cup of coffee. Why? Because they didn't properly nourish themselves during the kapha and the pitta time. So the imbalance starts showing up in vata time. They want to sleep, etc. You should, Ayurveda says never sleep during the day. It just messes up your body cycles. You can do a meditation or something that's actually going to be more resting than sleep, but don't take a nap in the day because that's throwing your body off. So get your creative tasks done afternoon and then 6 p.m., we enter back into kapha time. So just as the sun rose, the sun begins to set, the earth begins to unwind. And this is a good time to practice self-care, dry brushing, oil pull, um, well, oil pulling in the morning, but neti pot, abhyanga, things like that. Nighttime is a good time to do it to like, you know, it's like sex. You don't jump into sex, you foreplay. Foreplay your body into sleep, into rest, take a bath, you know, do some Abhyanga is the thing that you put um in your nose? No, that's neti pot and, and nausea oil. Abhyanga is a self-oil massage. So first, ideally, you would dry brush, which is taking a dry brush and brushing the dead skin cells off your body. I do that every day. Yes, and you always want to move towards the heart. So you want to move like up your legs, up your arms, and on round parts of your body, like your elbows and your knees, you want to move in circles. Oh, I didn't know about the circle. I, I, maybe I missed and read that. Yeah. So it's okay. It's not going to kill you if you don't do it. But um, so you want a dry brush, ideally. Then you would put the oil on your body. Then if you really want to go ham, you take a shower, you let yourself sit in that steam so the oil can penetrate deeper into your skin. Then you can rinse off the oil because then the oil has really, because a lot of us, we put oil on and it stays on the exterior of our body. It's not fully being absorbed. So then- Where do we get this oil? You can use for pitta, coconut oil is really good. For vata, sesame oil is very good. For kapha, they can do either. They can also do olive oil. Um, Pittas can use olive oil too. Again, I have these listed in the book, but again, 
Pits I keep is, coconut in my bathtubs and I put it on every time I get in. the best for you because it's cooling. Like you wouldn't want to do sesame. It's too warming for you. So you would put, you would take your shower and then you would put the oil back on dry areas of your body, but you're going to notice your body would get less dry just from doing this practice. And um, by, you would eat, in Ayurveda, you would eat something like a soup or kitchri or something that's like light and warm and easy to digest at night, not something heavy and big. And then you would sleep by 10 p.m. So you can be asleep before pitta time begins again at 10 p.m., which goes until 2 a.m. So it's the same times during the day and at night, 6 a.m. to, to um, 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. kapha. 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. pitta. 2 p.m. to 6 p.m., 2 a.m. to 6 a.m., vata. So it just repeats itself. Got it. Yeah. So my time that you, so you suggest me to have my OMAD meal at 12 o'clock? Yeah. At 12 o'clock? Yes. Okay. Or, I mean, it, it could be anytime between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m., but 12 would be the smack in the middle, the, the best the ideal time. Right. And if you feel hungry again in the afternoon, you could have some soup or something like that for dinner because it's very light and easy to digest. Yeah, but that wouldn't make it Oman anymore. Right. I would come out of effetage. Yeah, but that's amazing. I'm going to change that now. Yeah. Because I want to be when the fire is hot. I want to yes. feel, feel my body getting the most. Yeah. That's and that'll fantastic. probably let you help you sleep earlier too. So this is really great information and we could go on for like for hours and hours and hours. However, um, I'm going to have to bring you back on the show because this is just a plethora of information and I've just been like taking mental notes about everything and I'm sure a lot of, of the tribe has as well. Um, how can the tribe find you? Yes. Yeah, so my Instagram and my website are I am Sahara Rose. I have Ayurveda memes and shit doshas say and funny things like that on my Instagram and on my website. You can take a quiz to discover your dosha, breaks it down in the mind and body. I have dosha ebooks and cheat sheets and so many free things on my website available. My book, Idiot's Guide for Ayurveda, is available on Amazon or wherever books are sold. And my new book, Eat Feel Fresh, is available for pre order. It's a plant based, 100% vegan Ayurvedic cookbook that shot in India. And it's it's a beautiful, beautiful book, very high vibe. And um, that's available for pre-order on Amazon or Barnes and Nobles and wherever books are sold. That's wonderful. So please, everyone go check out um, Sahara Rose. She is a genius and she is just giving us so much love for the people on the planet Earth to really bring their, their body and their mind and their spirit into proper alignment and balance. And that's what it's about. So I just want to thank you for being on our show, honey. We really love you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I'm so excited to connect more with your tribe members on the Awaken Your Powers Masterclass. It's going to be so amazing. It's Perfect for someone who feels like they want to step more into their pitta energy, get more things done, really show up as a leader, which again, it's our pitta. We talk about the doshas in the master class too. So if you like this, you want more, you want Shaman Durg and I together because we are just like electric when we're together, please come join us on the master class. You're going to love it. And I'm so excited to connect with you guys. Yes, definitely join us on the masterclass. You're going to love it. And it's going to really take you all to the next level. And I'm so happy. Thank you for being a part of our show. And I love you so much. Oh, love you. All right, Tribe. Wow. Check that out, huh? Amazing. I mean, you, you, can't, you, can't, you can't be more blessed than you are right now, right? Like, you're so blessed up right now by having Sahara Rose share all that information about 
you know, to the tribe about Ayurvedic knowledge and medicine and how we can live our lives and really create the superhuman living that we need in order to, to carry out what we come to this planet to do and live in a healthy and balanced way. I mean, this is like the gifts keep coming and it is never going to stop right here on Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. I love you all so, so much. And remember, there's no one like you on the planet. And if anyone hasn't told you how much they love you, appreciate you, care for you, honor you, see you, value, lift you and ignite you, it's me. And I honor you, beautiful, 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 beautiful souls. You can check me out at Shaman Derek on Instagram. And if you haven't signed up already for my newsletter to find out what towns I'll be in, what I'll be doing, what kind of events I'll be at, please do so also you can do that on shamandurek.com i will see you next time for the next show where we stay lit on the lit train and until then remember you are important bye everyone <laughs>